What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? I hope y'all been doing good. Um, hope y'all enjoyed the Super Bowl. Um, congratulations to the Bucks fans, or should I say Brady fans, for a remarkable victory, a beatdown, I should say. Um, better luck next year to the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as the other 31 teams that uh, were not able to hoist the Lombardi Trophy this year. But, you know, Super Bowl is over, which means we're in a new season. And it's around this time where, you know, you're thinking about personnel, what are your team's needs, uh, where are you going to address in free agency, what are you going to address in the draft, um, how many positions are you trying to fill to a point where you have some competition and training camp and preseason, this, that, the third. And so, you know, if you know me, I'm a fan of three teams, that being the New Orleans Saints, the New York Giants, and the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo Bills, obviously, of the three, had the best season making it to the AFC Championship game, where they unfortunately lost to um, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I unfortunately lost $50 because I bet that they would make it to the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, still really like the Bills. Started liking them when Drew Bledsoe signed there. I was a big Drew Bledsoe fan uh, growing up. But I'm an honest fan, so I'm not, you know, Bills Mafia-level a Buffalo Bills fan. So when it comes to them and the breakdown, I will let somebody a little bit more qualified, um, a little bit more crazy about the Buffalo Bills do that for you. But what I can do is break down two teams that are near and dear to me. Um, again, New Orleans Saints fan since birth. It's just a birthright. You're born a New Orleans Saints fan. And you have a choice whether to be a Judas or not by not being a Saints fan entirely anymore. Um, but, you know, stuck it out. Been sticking it out through the dark years. Uh, sticking out through some crucial disappointments um, and going to stick it out post breeze. See how that goes. Um, also, big blue New York Giants football fan, uh, fan ever since Eli Manning, who I was a big fan of when he was in college at Ole Miss. Uh, he got drafted. I just kind of empathize with him because, you know, everybody was like, he's not paid he's not going to be any good. And so gravitated towards him. He just happened to play for the New York Giants, um, even though he recently retired a couple of years ago um, or a couple of years ago now. You know, I'm still going to ride that train. Just love what the organizations, where they're headed. Um, I think they've earned the right to keep me on board. Um, and, and I really, like I said, what they're doing organizationally the personnel they're doing and the team they're building. So I have some really high hopes for them. So of those two teams, I did promise those that follow me on Twitter um, at Bud Disrespect on Twitter. I did say we were going to cover both teams, but um, I just thought I would be doing both the New Orleans Saints fan base and the New York Giants fan base uh, a disservice if I tried to rush um, both of those in it. So I'm going to dedicate part one to the New York Giants. And then later on this week, um, probably Thursday, because, you know, anniversary weekend coming up. Don't want to work then. So Thursday may drop the New York, uh, New Orleans Saints. I'm sorry. New Orleans Saints offseason breakdown. So now that you know what's on today's menu, let's get this thing started. So my New York Giants. Uh. Wasn't the best season uh, record-wise, finished six and ten, but we did finish uh, second in the NFC East, which this year or this past season was definitely the NFC least, um, having a seventy-nine Washington football team win the division. Um, this is our first year under Coach Joe Judge, which, to be honest, to be in the race um, 
for the division title despite all the injuries that had happened with the first-year coach. No real offseason with COVID protocols and everything like that. I was really um, surprised. Uh, you know, pleasant surprise, but surprised nonetheless that the Giants fought it out. Had a, had a relatively good season despite what the record says. But like I said, finished 6-10, and 10, second in the NFC East. Much of that season was played without star running back Saquon Barkley, uh, who missed the season with the torn ACL, got hurt in game two, so missed the entire season. Um, to my knowledge, they are expecting him back this next season. So we're really excited about that as New York Giants fans, hoping that he comes back healthy, ready to go. But also that we you know, manage the game plan to where we're not putting it all on 26 the way it's been the past couple of years. I would like to see, you know, them use him a lot, but not too much. Don't overload him. He's, he's still in his early 20s. And, you know, the shelf life um, for a running back um, isn't the most lengthy. So you want to have as much of prime, healthy Saquon as much as possible. But again, miss most of that season. And because when you lose your star player offensively, your young quarterback is going to have some ups and downs. And Daniel Jones had some ups and downs, to say the least. Still had some struggles with um, turning the ball over. I think he held the ball too long in certain instances. Um, and in all honesty, it reminds me of a, of a young version of Eli where, you know, just got to get rid of the ball, but you're trying to make plays. I understand. But take the check down. Take the, you know, the short pass and let your athletes do what they do best. But, you know, young quarterback trying to make do with the pieces he has, especially with your star being out. We had some makeshift lineups at the wide receiver position, just dealing with injuries there, which resulted in a a sophomore slump for a stud wideout Darius Slayton as well. Um, I think he had some struggles, I mean, one with his own health, but I think with Daniel Jones, who had some health issues as well, and having to turn to Colt McCoy, as the backup option, I think there were times where we just couldn't get Darius the ball. Um, he's a big, big play threat. Um, definitely, I would see him as a number two receiver, but he happened to be um, our number one. So, again, injuries, turnovers, um, and just, you know, overall inconsistency this season really played the Giants. I mean, started off horribly, got on a winning streak, things are looking good. Lost some games from bonehead plays, but just when we looked like we were starting to get our rhythm, then already without Saquon, Daniel Jones, we call him Danny Dimes um, over in our fan base, uh, he gets hurt. And so that just messes up the momentum. I don't think he ever really got healthy, so he was trying to pull it out for us. Um, You know, we ended up winning the last game of the season, which had Washington football team lost, we would have made it. So, you know, we did kind of what we had to do. Um, but you know, fuck Philly and, and Doug Peterson because he pulls some pussy ass shit, but it's cool. Um, at the end of the day, we could control our own destiny. Um, and you know, we didn't do enough to put the game in our hands. We had to, you know, rely on someone else doing the work for us. And I think that's the message that coach Joe judge is going to minister in the off season, more so, hey, what are you doing in preparation? What are you doing on the field to make sure that your outcome, your season's outcome is always in your hands? And I'm hoping that's the message that he's you know, selling to the guys in his offseason because we were so close. I, I really do think, you know, have we won the NFC East? I think we possibly beat the Buccaneers 
If you remember Monday night game, we had him on the ropes, made a couple of bonehead plays, uh, thanks to our young quarterback. And um, Tampa got back in the game, won it. Um, there was a missed call and two-point conversion, but we would have sent it to overtime. But I still think, you know, with a second crack at it, back in um, our home stadium with the defense, the way they were playing, even though they, down the stretch, I think part of the losing streak was them not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. But I think playoff atmosphere, I think they would have got it together. I think we had a chance to at least make it to the next round. Um, so a lot of positives. Uh, to build on. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I mean, obviously, in the NFL, free agency comes before the NFL draft. But um, I just wanted to break down, you know, some of the draft picks that I like personally uh, for the New York football giants. So just to give you an idea of what they're working with. So they could have um, six draft picks. Um, obviously, first round, they're picking at number 11. Um then they have picks 42, 76, 107, 172, and 177. So that would round us out. So barring any trades or any COVID violations that results in them losing the pick, um, we're looking at possibly six draft picks. And so looking um, at the team, obviously, like I said, free agency comes before the NFL draft. So I assume that a lot of what I'm going to be talking about, they're going to address in free agency just because, you know, while they are a young team, I think they want to get older and a veteran in some areas where you're a team that's ready to push for a playoff spot as opposed to um, a rebuilding franchise. I would say Joe Judge coming from a New England Patriots organization, I don't think he wants to keep rebuilding, especially being so close to the postseason. Um, I think he's going to come in wanting to uh, put some veterans around us, especially offensively. Uh, we did a really good job of that, mostly on the defensive end, and it showed. Um, I believe we were the fourth-ranked defense or around that um, overall. So um, really good defense. I think they're going to start adding some veteran pieces in free agency on offense. But like I said, want to focus more so on NFL draft, future, things like that. So the needs are the positions of need that I identified that the New York Giants must fill. Um, and I'll break them down, but starting at one, I'm going to go wide receiver. I did mention that Darius Slayton is a stud, uh, but I also did mention that he's more of a number two in my eyes. But based on personnel, uh, we have been forced to put him as our number one wide out. And... Well, he has blossomed in areas as the guy with every defensive uh, coordinator scheming against him. I do think he could benefit from having another young stud in the lineup that honestly may take over that, that wide receiver one spot. So I'm assuming that we would address this spot first round. I think that our first pick is going to be wide receiver um, if there's a viable wide receiver left, just depending on who's left. But I just listed my top three on who I would be there. Obviously, you would want Devontae Smith and or Jamar Chase, but I just don't see those guys being there. In my projections, I see Devontae Smith going to the Dolphins just based on fit, Tua Tagovailoa being the quarterback. Uh, so those, those two guys already have some chemistry. Uh, Miami already has some big wide outs, so they don't necessarily need a Jamar Chase. I see Jamar actually going to Philly. Um, I guess he's going to be catching balls from either Jalen Hurts or Nick Foles. Because it seems that Carson Wentz will be traded to the Bears. But um, I do have Jamar as the second wide receiver taken off the board going to Philly. Which 
I believe, would leave Waddle, Jalen Waddle from the University of Alabama at the number 11 spot. Um, even if we have to trade up into the top 10 to draft him, I wouldn't mind doing that either. Why Jalen Waddle? I mean, the guy's electric. I mean, every time he touched the ball at the University of Alabama, it was pretty much a big play. Um, and, and going into his sophomore and junior year, it was more than just big play. It was leading to touchdowns, whether that was a receiving touchdown, uh, getting the ball in the backfield on a jet sweep, or more importantly, special teams, punt return, kick return. And that's where I think he can make the biggest impact on this Giants team, um, on the special teams. Uh, we brought in Jabril Peppers. Um, to, to kind of play that role, but I think we want to focus him more so on the defensive end now and have him just focus his game there. He really had a solid season, but he can definitely grow if he just puts all of his, his heart and soul onto the defensive side of the ball. And so with that in mind, you still need some electricity in special teams. Um, it's great for field position, and I think Jalen Wilde is the perfect person, whether he's receiving the punt or not, because if he receives the punt, he could take it to the house. But if you're a smart punter, you're not even trying to kick it into his direction. Also, to help a young quarterback with his turnover troubles is to allow him to get the ball out quick. And obviously, Saquon is a receiving threat out of the backfield as a running back. But having a Jalen Waddle who can get open quickly on screens, um, you can motion him in the backfield, give him the ball that way, is going to make Daniel Jones' job so much easier and I think um, Officer Coordinator Jason Garrett, who's been preaching to him to take, you know, the short route, just take the easy, just eat, just take the easy money. I think it's going to be a lot easier to take the easy money with a Jalen Waddle on your team. And obviously, when you want to go deep, he can go deep as well. Um, and despite his, he's about five eleven, he can go up and get it as well. So, top wide receiver for the Giants on my board is Jalen Waddle. Secondly. <clears throat> I would go Terrence Marshall Jr. out of LSU, Louisiana State University, for those that don't know. Uh, plain and simple, the guy can score. I mean, 23 touchdowns in his career, and he wasn't even a starter. Or This past season was his first season as the number one guy, and he was off to a great start, and he decided to opt out for his NFL future. But the two years prior, he was like, maybe the third best guy behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and he was still putting up numbers. Um, and while I don't normally sing high praises for LSU players, um, I know a stud when I see one. And this guy has it. He has the size, which um, if you haven't seen the New York Giants receivers, size is something they are lacking. Um, I would pretty much say we have slot receivers playing outside, outside the numbers. And I think having a Terrence Marshall who can line up outside, he's done that. But also this passes, and he spent a lot of time in the slot. So you can move him around. Um, I really like him for Daniel Jones. I mentioned that Jalen Waddle being a security blanket, somebody that you can give the ball to quickly can help your quarterback. Guess what else can help your quarterback? A guy that can just go up and get it. A guy that can get open. A guy that's, that has the size where Daniel Jones, or Daniel Jones can just throw it to a spot. And he can outmaneuver the defensive back for the ball. I think that's what the New York Giants have been missing since, I mean, the Plexico Burrises, the Akeem Knicks of the world. We just haven't had that big body. Um, you know, um, Odell's a, a, a bigger receiver, but he still was a little bit more finesse. I think Terrence Marshall, while he is finesse to some degree, I mean, he's 6'3". You can't, you can't teach that. 
Um, he has the speed, he has the quickness, and he has the hands to be a very solid receiver in this league. And do I think we take him at 11? Mm, maybe a bit of a stretch, but I think we can trade down with the picks we have um, in, time, in the second round or maybe late in the first round if we really want to go there. Because um, I personally have Terrence Marshall being a late first round pick. But uh, possibly going to the New Orleans Saints, but you'll see that next episode. But um, Terrence Marshall Jr., that's a name to watch out for. Real star wide receiver. And again, the guy can get in the end zone. There's nothing more valuable than a wide receiver that can get touchdowns, whether that be um, long distance touchdowns, red zone touchdowns. He can do it all. Um, I think that'll be a big, big, big help for Danny Jones and his development. Last on my last but not least on my, my three right now, just receivers that I've had the privilege of watching. Um, and I know you guys are going to say I'm an SEC homer, but my next receiver is Seth Williams. Um, again, another big body receiver. Uh, Bo Nix wasn't the best quarterback prospect in terms of being able to pass the ball, but he loved him some Seth Williams. And I think the same thing can be done with Danny Jones. You know, again, big body receivers that can get open downfield and can make contested catches. Now, compared to Terrence Marshall or Terrence Marshall, uh, Seth isn't a little isn't as quick or agile. But I think his size, he can just get himself open. He can create spots for his young quarterback to throw to. And I think that was very important in the development of Bo Nix. While he wasn't an all-the-world passer, he did make some improvements. And I think Seth Williams had a lot to do with that, just being able to get open. Um, and Seth, again, he may not come in. He wouldn't come in as our number one. I think he's a later-round pick that we can probably pick up in our third or fourth round. But I think he can come in and be very, very valuable for us in terms of um, short yardage, deep yardage, deep balls. I mean, he can do it all. But we need some big body receivers to help alleviate some of the pressure to throw guys open that Danny Jones has been under the past couple of years. I just think the talent we have now, they're a little undersized for what we're asking them to do. And having some big guys on the outside, I think, will allow a Darius Slayton to get back to his rookie year form where, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy. He's not facing the defense's best. And. You know, he can use his best abilities. He was a very uh, great deep threat for us, and I think he can use those abilities a little bit more so um, being a number two or, or slot guy. So wide receiver, number one priority for me, Jalen Waddle, Terrace Marshall Jr., Seth Williams. Keep those names on your mind. They may be a New York football giant. Now, secondly for me uh, is, is cornerback. Um, so I'm going to go shift, shift gears, go to defense. Now, James Bradbury was amazing. He was amazing. But somehow we still gave up a lot of passing yards last season. And a lot of that had to do, I think, with who was opposite of him. We had some turmoil with some of our cornerbacks to begin the season, which put us off to a bad start. And I think that's a position that we have to rebuild, uh, so to speak. Um, we, we've tried over the years, but just haven't hit on guys. We always have one good guy. You know, we had we had Jack Rabbit. Now we have James Bradbury, but we never have a guy consistently opposite some of those great cornerbacks. And so, I think you know putting a solid cornerback next to uh, James Bradbury will be very very beneficial 
uh, for our defense and its development going forward under our second-year defensive coordinator. And so thinking about cornerback prospects for me, again, Homer, Homer, Homer. Pat Sertain, Patrick Sertain II, University of Alabama. Um, most people have him as the second-highest cornerback in this year's draft um, next to Caleb Farley, who I'll talk about in just a second. But to me, he's the best. He's the best because nobody throws at him. And when they do throw it at him, he typically makes him pay. Um, he's a big-body cornerback. Um, he can tackle, and he can get physical, but he also has those ball skills where he can get to the ball, not necessarily always intercepting it, but knocking it away, um, being able to win on contested throws. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I believe that having him next to Bradbury, we can play a lot more physical. Um, defensively, I think we can blitz a little bit more. I know we relied a lot on rushing four pass rushers, uh, blitzing every now and then. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Even if we draft, which is a position I'll talk about later, even if we draft an edge rusher, I don't know if the New York Giants will be there yet where they can say, hey, we'll rush four and play coverage. So if you're not there yet, you have to blitz. You have to bring pressure and you have to trust your guys on the outside. Bradbury obviously has shown that he's ready for it. I think having Pat Sertain opposite him will be good. Will be good again for the development of our defense and getting us to where we can be a playoff caliber team. Second on my list is Caleb Farley, a guy of Virginia Tech. Pretty much similar to Patrick Sertain, um, honestly, in terms of the way they play the ball. Uh, most teams really won't go at them, but when they do, they make them pay. Um, and so, again, real physical corner. I would love to see him in a New York um, Giants jersey. So whether they go Pat or Caleb, I'm fine either way. Those are my top two. Um, another guy, again, you'll see my trend. I love physical cornerbacks. Uh, speed is great, but look, the way these are, these wide receivers are, you have to have some type of physicality to bump these guys off the line. So the last guy in my cornerback hierarchy, at least in my top three, is J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Now, you heard me mention Seth Williams um, earlier in the wide receiver category. I saw J.C. Horn shut this guy down, followed him all over the field, was very, very physical with him, ran with him, just made it difficult. He had a long day. And that's the type of cornerback I like. Big guy, 6'1", 6'2", um, wide receiver height. Uh, so he's real lanky. He can really get up with some of these wide receivers, especially in the NFC East. Um, we're talking about Terry McLaurin. We're talking about Amari Cooper, uh, CeeDee Lamb. So we're, we're, we're going to be going up against some big, big receivers. Um, and just imagine if, you know, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith do get drafted by the Eagles. You're going to need another guy not named James Bradbury that you can trust. And J.C. Horn, um, I think he's a, you know, second, third round pick. So we can get him at 42 or 76. But at 11, I'm definitely saying Pat Sertain or Caleb Farley. Uh, those have to be your guys that you're really looking hard at. So, again, sticking uh, stick with me here on defense. I mentioned about our pass rush. I don't think it's where it's going to be. I don't think the draft pick in this year's draft is going to get us exactly where we want to be. But it's something or it's a, it's a position that we can fill to a degree. Um, I believe our defense coordinator really likes pass rushing by committee as opposed to having a quote-unquote guy, elite pass rusher. I don't think we have that on our team. I don't see that in this year's draft. But I do see guys 
that can come in and contribute. So guy that's high on my list is Gregory Russo out of the U University of Miami. Now he opted out this past season just due to concerns with COVID. But I think once he gets that NFL paycheck, he won't care much about COVID. Um, but in this career, he had 15 and a half career sacks. Um, like I said, he opted out last year, but 15 and a half career sacks for his career. So the guy can rush the passer, um, which is saying something. And I think that's something the New York Giants have to build on. I for sure believe they're going to address it in free agency. But again, we're going to be a pass rushing by committee team. I think you can get a guy like Gregory Russo at number 11 and be okay and be content with that pick. I typically hate drafting defensive linemen, offensive linemen that high. I just think that's a position where you can just find somebody in the third or fourth round. But if we're going to go first round, I think Gregory Russo is a good pick. Um, same with uh, Quiddy Payne. Or Quiddy Pay, I'm sorry, from Michigan. Uh, has 11 and a half career sacks. Uh, battled some injuries last year. Um, so didn't produce as much as we were accustomed to in his career. I believe he only had about two, two and a half sacks, something like that last year. So obviously uh, not up to par with what he typically does. But the guy is a physical freak. I mean, about 6'4". He can get to the pass rusher with the speed he has. And so it does have some power to stop the run. I think a lot of times we think about edge mm -hmm. rushers, but we forget that, you know, teams run the ball too. And I believe he would help us on that end as well so we won't be predictable defensively. So when he's in the game, people won't assume that, you know, they can run on us or, you know, anything like that. Or he won't just be in for passing situations. So I like Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, big physical guy. Um, like you said, had some injury issues last year, but hoping that, you know, he can address that in the offseason, rehab, get ready. And again, we're going to be a pass rush by committee type of team. So I wouldn't say all the pressure is on him. But much like Gregory Russo, I think he's a first round pick. Um, and with that being said, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the Giants second year pass rusher at 11. Just because, I mean, unless you're going to be Chase Young, I don't think I can take a pass rusher that high because that's a position with so much depth, whether that be in free agency or draft that you can address. I wouldn't pick that high. And so with that in mind, a guy I've been looking at in the Big 12 is Joseph Osai. And I hope I pronounced that correctly out of the University of Texas. Hook him. At last season, he had five sacks, three forced fumbles. And... I just pride, I mean, look, we talk about the Big 12 and their defense is like sucking. But the one thing they do breed out there is pass rushers. And I'm always comfortable with a pass rusher from the Big 12. And again, I think he's a guy that can fit into a committee type system of pass rushing. We're not expending a great deal as far as draft capital. Second, I mean, I would say third, fourth round pick. Um, so, Again, not expending too much draft capital on a guy. So, hey, if he doesn't pan out in camp uh, or he doesn't pan out during the season, we can always move on. We don't feel the need to stay with someone when they're not producing. But he has produced at the collegiate level, um, has some speed, also has some power. Um, I think he'll be more of a situational pass rusher. I don't see him being an everyday down or every down uh, edge rusher. But, hey, you never know. He can grow into that. Again, we're going to be in the committee-style system. He could end up earning the bulk of the reps in our system. We are trying to sign some edge rushers that are free agents. We also have some edge rushers that are coming back off of injury. So, again, he won't have to 
or whoever fills this position won't have to feel like they have to be the guy. They have to be all world, all pro, pro bowler. We don't need that. We just need a guy that can get to the quarterback in certain situations because we sucked at it in our three-game losing streak. We only got two sacks in the three-game losing streak. A lot of it had to do with us not being able to rush the passer. So down to a couple spots left. For me, next big one is tight end. Yeah, we have Evan Ingram. I don't know um, who he slept with to get a Pro Bowl now because he was not that good this season, in my opinion. He was third in most major categories in the conference. So how he made it to the Pro Bowl is beyond me. I think somebody hated the Giants and knew that if he made the Pro Bowl, he would demand a certain type of salary that we weren't going to pay. He's coming into the last year of his contract, and so we can always trade him, which I think we will eventually do. I would like to see us keep him and just draft our tight end of the future. And one that truly stands out that I would pick at number 11 is Kyle Pitts out of the University of Florida. Uh, tight end, wide receiver, hybrid, um, has the speed, has the size. Again, I'm thinking purely about Dan- Danny Jones here and his development. Um, we saw what Kyle Pitts did for Kyle Trask. He's turned the man into a first-round pick. A Heisman favorite. And so when we're thinking about how in year three are we going to get the best out of Dan Danny Jones, you have to think about getting him the weaponry. And tight end position is a need, whether we trade Evan Ingram or not. I think it's a need. And look, Kyle Pitts is the best tight end in his draft, hands down. And number 11 is a perfect slot to draft him. So I don't need to go all in about Kyle Pitts. You guys know how good he is if you didn't live under a rock uh, the past couple of seasons. Uh, next guy I'm thinking about, you know, maybe second, third, fourth round pick is Brevin Jordan from Miami. Now, while he's not as shifty as a Kyle Pitts, uh, who could be pushed out at wide receiver in certain packages, Brevin is still what you think of when you think of tight ends out of the U. Uh, you know, the, the Jeremy Shockeys of the world. Um, trying to think of my, my my guy that played for the Browns. His name is eluding me right now. But you, you think of some good tight ends. Oh, you can think of Jimmy Graham as well. You think of some good tight ends coming out of you. And I think Brevin Jordan is just the next uh, generation of that. And I would love to see him in a Giants jersey. Um, he's a little bit bigger. I believe he can block a little bit better than both Kyle Pitts and Evan Ingram. Um, and again, safety blanket, you want a safety blanket for your young quarterback who you're trying to build an organization around. Last but not least, again, going to go home here because tight end, you have to be able to block and you have to be able to catch the ball. Um, and you have to be tough. And when I think toughness at the tight end position, Miller Forrestal out of the University of Alabama comes to mind. Um, the numbers he put up in college aren't out of this world. But in my opinion, he did what was needed to win. He will block. Uh, he took a a direct snap and got a first down on a, on a, on a sneak, a tight end sneak. Um, we've seen him be very good in the red zone, um, especially when you have weapons around him, which I think the Giants will have in our first few picks. You can put explosive weapons around him, and he's a guy that defense never accounts for. He ends up open, and so that's something that I would like to see. Do I think he will come in and be the starter? No, but I do think he would provide depth at the tight end position. 
uh, allow us to run some big packages where, yeah, we, we can run the ball out of them, but we can still be aggressive and pass out of those situations as well. So, hey, Miller Forstall is a guy that I would pick with a you know six, one of those two six-round picks. I just think he's a guy you want in your organization, in your locker room, and I think he's going to work hard um, and do what needs to be done to help his team win games. Now, last but not least, and I know it's going to sound blasphemous because we have Saquon Barkley, but a position that I've identified as a need for the New York football giants is running back. Why, Trey? You have Saquon Barkley. He's one of the best running backs in the league. Why do you need another running back? We need another running back so we can continue to make sure that Saquon is one of the best running backs in the league because if we continue to utilize him the way we have, we're going to run him into the ground and he's going to have injury after injury after injury. I mean, after his rookie season, he's been battling injuries. And I think we haven't changed how we used him in that time. It's just been Saquon or Buss. And I think bringing another running back into the organization will help alleviate some of those things. But what's most important is don't get a guy that's going to be predictable that we know, hey, if he's in, we're either running the ball or if he's in, we're either passing the ball. No, get some get a guy that can do what Saquon does. May not be as good, but it still keeps the defense off balance. And so when thinking of that, you know, I'm wanting to keep Saquon healthy. I don't want him coming back off an ACL tear to feel like he has to fit the bill again. I want us to ease him into the season because we're going to need him late, especially for a playoff push. And with that being said, these are the three running backs that I've identified that I really like and would love to see in New York Giants jerseys if we were to draft them. Uh, first, Michael Carter out of the University of North Carolina. So this past season, sharing reps, by the way, he rushed for over 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, averaged eight yards per carry, and had two receiving touchdowns. So you can catch out of the backfield as well. Um, for his career, had over 3,400 rush yards, um, almost 30 touchdowns in his career. And a good bit of that was sharing the load at the tailback position. Um, so when you bring in running backs in, you, it helps when you have running backs who have experience sharing the load. They don't come in acting as if they want to be the guy. They understand that they can sit back. They come in on certain situations and they make do with that. Um, I think Michael Carter would be very good for that. While he's somewhat physical, he can also be very shifty in open space, which again, not exactly like Saquon, but reasonably close enough to where we can keep the defensive defense guessing in certain packages. Uh, next running back, we got Colin Hill out of Mississippi State. Um, opted out last year. I think he played three games and opted out. So we're going to disregard his his stats for last season. But career-wise, had over 2,500 rush yards um, and about 22 touchdowns, 16 rushing, six receiving. Uh, Colin, he's just a gamer. Um, I think he's a bowling ball in the backfield, very physical running back. But he showed, especially last year in those three three or four games he played, that he can actually catch. Um, he, he had some amazing catches week one against LSU. Um, and he showed that he can do some damage out of the backfield, which I think increased his stock, but not to the point where I don't think the Giants can't take a gamble on him um, in the third round and bring him in. Uh, last but not least, I like an Elijah Mitchell, somebody that we can pick up maybe fourth, sixth round, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, now, I'm going to read you um, his numbers last year. He had 878 yards, so short of 1,000, eight touchdowns. 
they had a running back by committee system. I think they had three good running backs. They were rotating in and out. So for him to almost get a thousand, that was wonderful to see. Uh, Career-wise, over 3,200 rush yards and 46 total touchdowns. So the guy can get in the end zone. That's one thing you're wanting to see. Uh, when a guy gets his opportunities, will he make the most of them? And in his career at Louisiana Lafayette, Elijah Mitchell definitely made the most of his chances. So those were my offseason needs. Break down to the New York Giants. Um, I'm really confident in what I had. And if you have any suggestions, Big Blue Nation, please let me know. I already know you guys are going to hate the uh, the running back position need. But, hey, I'm thinking about the long game, not the short game. So um, we need to make sure we keep Saquon healthy. And the best way to do that is to have some youth in the running back room. So I love it. Wide receiver, tight end, edge rusher, cornerback, running back. Those are my needs. I think other needs like O-line and even more so D-line will be addressed in free agency. So really looking forward to what the Giants are going to be doing. Um, I'll have a little bit more insight on this once we see what they do in the draft. And we'll circle back on an updated view of what we may address in the draft. But I like where I'm at. And that's what I have for you guys. So, you know, as I always say, if you felt disrespected or you were offended by anything I said, uh, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to educate me. All I do or all I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.